Dun 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 dun. Little pig, little pig. Let me in. Well, back at it again, boys. Let your mind peel away the mysteries of the world. That's right. I'm talking deep, frazzle drip deep. This is Whiskey, Beer, and Conspiracies Podcast. Oh, by the way, my balls is hot. Hello and welcome yet to another episode of Whiskey, Beer, and Conspiracies Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Big Country, and on the other end of the mic, halfway across the country, <laughs> other two hosts are joining us as always. Say hello, boys. Hello, this is Boy. Hello, and it's Chris. We're back. And for part two of an absolute mind-blowing episode, we have Todd McGreevy, I'm saying that name right, uh, on the show again with Corey Ibe from Agenda31.org, going to blow our minds a little bit more, probably a lot more, with the information that Corey had uh, filled us in with about, I'd say two weeks ago now, about state citizen state citizenship versus uh residency of states and we didn't hear from Todd cuz I know you Todd you had some some prior engagements um but we'd like you to start with whatever you got for us and then we'll just build off of that excellent can you hear me all right guys oh you're Absolutely. great you're great yeah well thanks for having us and I'm uh, sorry I missed last episode but I think it actually worked out for the best cuz frankly Corey it knows this stuff, you know, backwards and forwards. And he's the one who's, uh, the, by this stuff, I mean, article four, section two, clause one of the, of the federal constitution, which stipulates about this, the, the benefits of, of state citizenship versus federal mm-hmm. citizenship. And he's, you know, walked the talk for, you know, long time. And he and I hooked up many years ago and we just have been doing our podcast agenda 31 to continue to promote the concepts and effectively have kind of a deadline to bring something to the table to keep things moving. You know, we want at, we, when we did these, when we do these podcasts, we were we were getting kind of tired of people just you know keyboard cowboy and things, and, and so we, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And, and, and Corey is no keyboard cowboy, um, and you know I just kind of help promote I it. Can if barely you will. type. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we, we both walked some talk and Corey walked the talk a little stronger than I, I did, but you know, we, we tried to be the, the, the lowest risk, highest reward podcast in the universe. That was our mission. Right. And, you know, talking about taking low risk, yeah, high I, reward. I think you guys, uh, definitely did a great job with the low risk, high reward. Uh, cause obviously it's making small moves, but you're, 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 uh, you're proving your points, you know what I mean? And you're doing it the right way. So yeah, pe- peacefully and you know, logically and, and uh, absolutely. Yeah, well, I mean that uh, that's that's the whole idea is the using the the apparatus that was set up to be able to defend uh, individual rights and do it in a way that as much as possible doesn't get the ego involved and not personal, but just really following procedure and process. <laughs> Right. Uh, and then seeking truth, you know, like some of the conclusions that I've drawn from what I've read, um, quite frankly, are, you know, to some people pretty crazy. And mm-hmm. you know, when you're talking about that kind of stuff, as if, you know, it's well known that my position is a driver's license is not required for a certain segment of the population and that the law provides for governing people who don't have driver's licenses. It doesn't mean that they can't follow the law, which is, um, it doesn't mean that they don't have any rules they have to follow. 
it's just the rules are different. And in my opinion, I think those rules are a lot better. Yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. something that I wanted to touch on right away because it was very evident, uh, in our conversation last time that, you know, you're not saying that these laws don't apply to you. You don't get a get out of jail free card, um, with these things. You're just saying that you should have the right to be able to operate, uh, within states, uh, a motor vehicle and, but not have to, uh, conform to the larger government body of having uh, a driver's license. And and that's kind of what I took from it, basically. Yeah. If you don't mind, I'll put a little bit finer point on that. The, yeah. the states have the police power to enforce regulation of motor vehicles. I'll absolutely concede that. But California has not chosen to use that police power in the way that I see a lot of attorneys argue it. Um, they've chosen to use that police power and apply it only to government employees, which in turn applies to every resident in the state. And the key being that not everybody within the state is a resident. That That's right. the key. There are people who are non-resident citizens. At least the law provides for there to be people who are non-resident citizens. And it's specifically those people that um, I'm referring to. And, and quite frankly, you know, it's it sometimes it's a little bit uh, I, I get worried about uh, not worried, but it it is a big deal to say you're a state citizen when you claim to be a citizen under Article four, clause two, uh, uh, section one of the Constitution. What you, what I'm doing is I'm claiming to be a part of a political group of what I consider to be the most badass people on the planet. These are the people who took on the king. They have maintained one of the most beautiful republics ever to exist. And, you know, and, and to say that, that, you know, you're a part of that class is a big deal and yeah. you have to be able to defend it. So um, that's that's the goal. In fact, one of the courts here in California a long time ago referenced uh, what it meant to rise to the level of being a citizen. And it is a big deal. And the government is going to challenge you the entire way. Rightfully so. They're supposed to challenge you, not block you. Right. Like in, in some of my cases, I've been blocked criminally by bad actors in government. Yeah. But um, the government absolutely must challenge people because those people, in fact, we did talk a little bit about sovereign citizenship and distinct, distinguishing between a citizen and you know a whack job who claims to be a sovereign citizen. That's right. Uh, um, the the California law references the political class of citizens under California two forty one a as being sovereign. That that is where authority for the government to exist flows from. Mm-hmm. Um, and that that's in I, I can find it here in a second. In fact, I'll look it up while Todd's talking. But um, that is, uh, you know, a, a big deal. And then the way. I, I don't want to throw the FBI under the bus too much, but I, I no, you can go ahead. No, no, no. <laughs> if we just if they shut us down mid sentence, then we're going to know that we're being watched. So. <laughs> right, right. Well, their training. You know, Todd and I we met at the sheriff's convention, and we've both had a lot of interaction with law enforcement. Todd is nonstop. It is amazing the meetings that he gets into and and is able to interface with uh, different levels of government. And it it's really just eye opening. I mean, if if people did five percent of the activity of what Todd does, you know, if they did that in a year, 
and they just did 5% of what he does in a month, um, this would be a different country and, yeah. uh, and government would be, you know, it's very kind, Corey. And it's it, 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 the, the, the driver's license situation is, is really the manifestation, the, the most the most simple manifestation of the principle we're talking about. The goal here is it not to have a driver's license. The goal here is to be treated as a state citizen. The, the driver's license Correct. is the manifestation. And it's it's when it's the most common one. Like we're 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 taught that it's a rite of passage. and you got to go through driver's right. ed and you get it's a big thing. You know, you, yeah. you strive for this. It's like your bar, Bob Mitzvah or something. You know, it's like, you know. <laughs> This is a big deal. And, um, you know, the other thing is when you get your social security number, that's another you know way that you, you can, you can set to, to be on this federal plantation is how we call it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's a, that's a great way to put it actually. Yeah. And, and we're, we're, we do this, this silent consent all along our lives, you know, and mm-hmm. uh, we continue to you know do that over and over. And, you know, one of the things that you know, we always talk about is what's your strategy to make a difference over the years before I met Corey, Locally, you know, major. I've published an independent newspaper. I've published articles about you know government for a long time. Uh, uh, tried to hold uh, government accountable in various ways, and it, it runs the gamut of fully informed jury association to uh, investigating what grand juries are in your county it, it, to uh, voter fraud. I've, I've dealt with all kinds of stuff with the uh, voting machines in our county, and, and I've helped people run for office for auditor to, to have audits of the votes. Even though now I understand after meeting Corey and learning all this. The oh, vote system the, is a federal. Oh, there we go. The vote, the voting system is 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 truly a federal election with the facsimile of these offices. The 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 the, the county sheriff who's getting elected and Corey helped me out on this one is a dual uh, situation because it is a federal election and and he or she is being elected by the the uh, people that claim to be uh, their residents in Iowa here. So there are federal mm-hmm. citizens and residents of Iowa who are uh, or who are voting. The sheriff can, yeah. if he elects. You've cut out a little bit, Todd. So just kind of the, the finer point on no, the okay. on the you're sheriffs okay. is the sheriff is employed by an agency with a federal identification number, and he derives his authority via the Fourteenth Amendment and operates within U.S. jurisdiction. Mm-hmm. And so you can find case after case of. Uh, wording such as the Fifth Amendment applicable to the states by the Fourteenth Amendment, you know, and and that term is used over and over again in SCOTUS decisions, mm-hmm. uh, executive orders. There's an executive order by government Governor Duke Duke Majin. I I don't know if I pronounced that right, but he's a governor from I believe in the 70s or 80s here in California. And uh, his ex- executive order made the Fourth Amendment directly applicable to law enforcement in California. And that's not how it originally worked. The way it originally worked, or, well, it's still, when I say that's not how it originally worked, uh, originally none of the officers in state government were had anything to do with the federal government. They had, it was a complete separation. So the Bill of Rights only applied to federal employees. That was it. The bill, or it it applied to federal employees and people who operated in federal jurisdiction, the states have their own constitution. So if you had a, uh, someone who had state authority and they're violating your fourth amendment, it certainly is possible that they're, or when I say violating, I mean, they're conducting an action that would violate the Fourth Amendment. That would right. just not apply. And it when wasn't you say until, that would not apply. What do you mean? What that what, what wouldn't apply? Well, um, the, if you were to go into state court 
and argue that a police officer prior to 1879 in California, um, a police officer violated your Fourth Amendment right, then that argument just would not hold water at all because the Fourth Amendment does not apply to the states prior Hmm. to the states uh, you know, basically adopting a federal form of government within the state. It, it's um, I'm I'm struggling for words today, but well, let me ju- let me jump in here, Corey. I, let, let me jump in here and help clarify this a little bit because you're talking the, the the state of California has its own uh, uh, version of the Fourth Amendment and its own Bill of Rights. Correct. Yeah. So if I'm a state I'm referring to the 1849 Constitution in that that area, yes. Okay. Okay. All right. And, and so let, let me let me circle back to where I was trying to go with this with regards to elections and so forth, because the, the all the trappings around us. It's it, I want to talk. Corey and I have talked many times about the word homograph mm-hmm. and how uh, the, the an orange the, the term orange can be a fruit and it can be a color. Spelled the right. same, sounds the same, but means two totally different things. Well, there are two states of California. That's a homograph. There's one state that is one of the several states, and there's the other that is a subsidiary of the federal government, which is a and, and the state of the United States. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was I cutting out? Yeah, just yeah, a, a little, little bit. Yeah. Keep, yeah, keep it going. Sorry about you're that, good. Guys. No, you're good. Don't worry about it. Well, we're sucking up bandwidth right now, so oh, okay. <laughs> we're going to beat right. you with a wet noodle. Jeez, <laughs> yeah, Louise, I'll, I'll stay close to the mic here. I didn't know if that was what the problem was. But meanwhile, where I'm going with this is that because if you if you really absorb what what Corey is trying to explain, you live. We all live and operate because of federal tax ID numbers, the the the, mm-hmm. the consent that we have, uh, the consent we've given to waive certain rights when we have a driver's license, social security numbers, and all that. We live in a fantasy land that there yeah. is, all these rights are discretionary. I have been in courtrooms three times as as just a bystander watching proceedings three times in two different states and and two different counties because I live right on the border here in the Mississippi. And I've had three instances where I've seen a judge say out loud to the parties in the room, the constitution has no, I've had, I've heard the uh, uh, judges say out loud, the constitution has no place in these proceedings. That's so wild (laughs) to have a judge say that out loud. That's so crazy. I have, I have it on. He's correct. Yeah. The judge is correct. Wow. So, so, so that, that's, that's like, you know, peeling the, that's, that's the red pill. That's, that's, right. you know, red pill and the shot. Boom. Yeah. It, yep. It's down, right. You, you, geez, I guess I live in a fantasy land. The Bill of Rights doesn't apply. Whether it was the federal Bill of Rights, because they're not letting that in, or the state Bill of Rights, not letting that in, because this is, as a federal citizen, the federal government is not precluded from violating your rights. They are, they, they are, they are required to, to ensure that one of the several states doesn't violate your rights. But that doesn't happen because there's offices of the several states are unoccupied. They're not violating anybody's rights. Oh, right. man. <laughs> so oh, man. Fast, forward, fast forward to the sheriff. I want to get to the sheriff because I think it's super critical. So okay, yeah. and that's how Corey and I met was at the sheriff's convention in Vegas. So even though the sheriff is part of this fantasy land, fantasy land I'm talk, talking about. Oh, I've been talking too much. Hold on. No, take your time. Take your time. Too much whiskey. <laughs> even though, even though the sheriff and I've I've been in meetings where our sheriff, when I've confronted him publicly about the Second Amendment during a, a gun rights scare during the Obama administration, says out loud, "Our rights are modifiable." Todd, sorry. So even he is, and, and that was tr- that's a truthism. And on the federal plantation, they are they're discretionary. It's 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 like you can't yell fire in a crowded theater, right? Well, that's violation of the First Amendment. No, we've modified that. That's illegal. 
on, on in the several states, if you yell fire in a crowded theater and nobody's harmed, there's no action to be to, to take. That's the difference in, in my view. Uh, okay, it's a very yeah, libertarian yeah, view. Where, where's the you harm? Cut out when you made, were making that point, Todd. So let me back up just a second. So you were saying that if you were in a crowded theater and you yelled fire and nobody was to be hurt, that there's no criminal act. But in Correct. some places, you can be still prosecuted for doing that. Is that what I? I, yes, I think because- we missed. Because the sheriff, you know, says our rights are modifiable. They've made statutes and and code mm-hmm. that says it's illegal to do that, and that's okay in the federal plantation world. You can do that, mm, right? And you okay. and you signed up to be governed by the federal. Now let me let okay. me identify. Like Check and see how many apps are running on your computer. Oh, okay. It, it sounds like almost it might be using too many resources. Just. To- Sorry about that, but yeah, no worries. Uh, uh, Corey, uh, let me let me ask you a question. Why Todd checks on that? So something that I was curious about as we did the first episode, and now we're talking about this. Excuse me, as as we've seen what's kind of going on in the nation right now, and we're seeing people out, um, you know, guarding businesses open carrying in the states that are allowed like Kansas I live in Kansas and this isn't this is a constitutional carry state so I can open carry any anywhere I want to and if I ever go into a building that says no guns allowed I put it in my pocket so you can't see it because their their uncomfortability with seeing my gun is not worth my life so but if I'm at you know let's just say uh, okay perfect example there's a protest going down the street right and I'm just standing guard with an open carry rifle and just keeping the peace, making sure that none of these crazy loot, you know, looters and rioters have their way. Could I be cited for expressing my Second Amendment because that Bill of Rights does not apply to me? Um. Well, I, I mean, I just want to preface this that you know I'm giving you my opinion. Um, sure, right. sure. I, I don't want people to yeah, you know disclaimer. You disclaimer. Yeah, in other words, you can't go to court and say, "Hey, Corey said this," and use it as a, a <laughs> yeah, legitimate right. reference. That that's not going to work. But um, first off, I, I my opinion is you can be cited for anything, right? Like uh, they can cite you for anything that you want. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's how you can defend it. There's uh, the the military code for California is really fascinating. It's basically a carbon copy of the Dick Act, and it refers to the militia. I think personally, since there's never been a challenge to it, I think there could be a legal challenge to that because it precludes citizens from participating in the militia, whereas the militia is considered a necessary element for a state under the second amendment, the militia being disciplined by Congress and discipline doesn't mean they, you know, spank you when you do something wrong. Discipline means providing for training. And right now in California, the militia is the national guard. And I, there's one other one, but um, it's basically just a carbon copy of the Dick act. So the answer to your question, like procedurally, I think, yes, an officer could cite you for, um, I mean, if he didn't like the amount of nose hair you had while you're carrying a gun, they could they could cite you for that. If if there is a um, if there is a code, they would. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I mean, uh, of course, based on on the code, and yeah. you know, there there was a sheriff here. 
Go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off there, Corey. If, if there's something on the, the books for uh, Brian having too many nose hairs and I came up and inspected him and he had too many nose hairs, I'm sure that could be written in a citation. Just like if, like you're saying, Brian, you were carrying an open carry state now and you walked into a business that said no guns. Um, so there must be something in, in their codes that says that they have a right to refuse um, that open carry. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, then, if you did open carry in there, yeah, I'm sure they could call an officer, and then you could probably be issued some kind of citation, or at least probably a verbal warning saying, "Hey, you need to respect this business owner's right. wishes to not bring a firearm into this." Uh, I think right. that's probably probably how it would go down procedurally. You know, if we're going to talk, if about- I were the business owner in that case, and I didn't want people to have guns in my business, and I found out that. Uh, big country had a gun and brought it in, then <laughs> my thought process would be I would call the police for a trespassing charge because he's not cool. there um, in that way. So that that's how I would go about it. I, I, there's probably not something that you could cite him for having the gun because, you know, you can open carry in your state. Right, but right. Uh, but the, the business owner, I think. The, yeah, the business I think that's owner has the right to refuse. The business owner does have a right to refuse yeah, anybody's service. He does not have to serve exactly. anybody. And you know yeah, he would probably right. reserve that right and to say, yeah, at this point he is trespassing because I do know that he has a gun and I don't want him there. And that's a very valid point of way how they would probably attack him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I mean, to my knowledge, uh, and I've spoken to a lot of guys that have lived out here for a long time that mm-hmm. had said basically that's what it kind of comes down to um, is that if you were to go into a business with a firearm that had a no firearm sign posted, the only can they can only cite you for trespassing. They can't take your gun. Oh. They can't ask you to leave because of your gun even if it, that even if that's the root of the reason that they're asking you to leave um right and and to be honest where i mean where i live most police officers know everyone's got something on them i mean yeah. not, not maybe not everybody but a high majority so if they're being called into a situation where this person was asked to leave because we have a sign posted of no firearms you might be cited for trespassing um, as long as you don't, you know, cause too much of a, a, a riff about it. But that that's from my knowledge, living out here in the short time. <clears throat> Go ahead. All right. We're good. I, we're good. I didn't yep. um, during the last show because there was, you know, I was trying to get as much information condensed as possible. I didn't go off on this, but we'd talked a little bit about, um, you know, getting pulled over with no plates, no driver's license, no registration. And then the officer taking the information off of, Oh, cool. Todd's back. Oh, bam. So, um, real quick, I don't want to cut you off. Corey's keep your, keep your turn of thought there, Todd. What happens is sure. Sure. Whenever we drop, for what it, you know, when the CIA doesn't like what we're saying, and we didn't even mention Adrenochrome, um, <laughs> it stops recording right where we left off, and it gets uploaded into the cloud. Oh, it so it's not like we lost not anything. Me. So, like, oh, I thought it was my resources. Okay. Yeah, no, it's yeah. everybody. It stops recording. Yeah, no, you, I don't know. Yeah, you got you got kicked out, and then it kind of just shut down our recording. Yeah, and I, I think Corey's ready to wow. fire some. Fire <laughs> some high fire questions at me. I'm ready. Fire some hollow points. Go back in. Go ahead. Go ahead, Corey. Okay, so what I was kind of do is setting the foundation, Todd, about a, a traffic ticket, and uh, and that is you know driving, and and I experienced this, and it was something really frustrating. So I wanted to take this opportunity because Chris is active duty law enforcement. And um, and that is when you get pulled over, if there are no license plates on your car and you don't have a driver's license, 
than what, you know, how the citation is filled out. Uh, in California, the citation form itself is produced by the Judicial Council of California. Okay. It's a Judicial Council form. And the Judicial Council has rules on how to fill out the citation. So I don't know if you've ever, is that something you've ever been presented with is the rules and, and the instructions from the Judicial Council, Chris? No, never. The Judicial Council has never uh, gone through of how to fill out our citations. And this is a document that's um, formed uh, for each law enforcement agency. They have their own little tweaks to it, and it's provided yeah. to us by our agency. So, so no, but no see, Judicial Council came to me and said, you have to have this, 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 you know, and they're all pretty basic, the forms. And they'll, yeah, they'll have yeah. a name, they'll have an address. They'll right. have a last known, last known mailing address. Yep. Uh, they'll have a basic descriptors of the party that you're, you're with. Uh, they'll have the, mm -hmm. uh, the time of date, um, of when the infraction occurred and then the, actual code that you'll be citing um, at the very tail end of it. You'll have some court information of where this ticket's going to be processed. And then they'll have uh, a date and time for their appearance. Uh, then at that point, someone can sign the citation and then be released from that encounter with the officer. Kind of yeah. Summarize Thank it. Thank you. Because it, it that, that that's exactly my understanding. Now, okay. go, the part that I think is critical, and and this is the you know I'd I'd love I don't you probably won't be able to do this now, and and you haven't seen the rules, but the Judicial Council, you can go to their website, you can download the instructions, like the the rules for how episode to fill 57. out a citation, and the rules are mm -hmm. very clear that episode fifty one actually deals with all this. I just sent you guys a link in the chat room. Oh, okay. Oh, beautiful. Awesome. beautiful. Right on. Well, beautiful. you're amazing, Todd. Dude, I love hey, I mean, this is what list. I do. This, I just Thank go you, around documenting all the um, shit that he does and keep track of it. It's going to open up the... Um, <laughs> I can't remember it all. He brings it up. When he brings it up, I can so, find it. Uh, <laughs> I love it. <laughs> so the, uh, the Judicial Council is really clear in the wording on, you know, how to fill out each individual section. And you can look for the form number on the citation. It'll tell you what form it is. And each form, like you said, Chris, is modified, you know, slightly for each different agency. Um, the, the Highway Patrol might use something different than LAPD, which might use something yeah. different than the Orange County Sheriff or whatever. But they all have a basic form and they all have... Uh, similar information, basically driver's license number, registration, you know, type of car and so forth. Date of, date of birth of the individual, the, like I said, the address, and then it goes into the, the codes, the actual right. violation of the Correct. original stopping you. Yeah. And, you know, my, my recollection, it's been a, a number of years since I've actually looked at the judicial council forms and their instructions, but um, their instructions are very clear in stating uh, that the license plate, like if you're going to put license plate information, that it it says the license plate on the vehicle, right? So if somebody Correct. doesn't have a license plate, then they would be subjugated to the VIN uh, identification number, the VIN, yep. which you on all vehicles. And Correct. It's an yeah. and or, it's 
and or or if like if I stopped Boye who was uh, speeding um, in a residential area for mm-hmm. going over 25 miles per hour and I realized, oh, he doesn't have a license plate and I checked the vehicle and there's no license plate on it. Um, I could always write in the vehicle identification number that's on it on the registration or in on the vehicle in specific different spots of of the of the vehicle. And you mentioned, you know, one thing, if there's no license plate that that uh, came back, you could just put the VIN number. But the situation I'm referring to, which is what happened to me, is there was no license plate on my car. I don't consent to either a driver's license or a license plate, you know, for the vehicle with the DMV. Yet the DMV is going to go ahead. They're not right now. uh, Nobody's been able to smack them enough to uh, to be able to withdraw your vehicle information. Um, but the DMV will report and then that information comes from, you know, the screen that you have, the, your access to DMV records within, uh, uh, you know, what, within the, the motor cruiser that you have, your computer terminal would be able to identify what the license plate is on there. My, the reason why I bring this up is because the law presumes that there are people who would not have uh, uh, motor vehicle registration. And obviously the DMV is highly motivated. I mean, can you imagine how many people are not going to pay for registration if they're not required to have it? Um, I mean, I personally wouldn't, I, I, I don't want to, I, right. So they own the car, Corey, but that's a whole other episode. Your job, Chris, yeah. Right. yeah well we can we can talk about the you know how how the state owns the vehicle and so forth which by the way was the basis of my registration for the california exempt plates was that the vehicle is the registered owner uh is the state of california and it's owned by property of the state but getting back to this with the um the license plate information and and this i think is critical to you know hopefully inspire law enforcement to really look at the rules. I interpret the rules, you know, I I mean, I have my own biases, so I interpreted the rules from the judicial council a certain way. So Chris, I would love for you to take a look at that and then tell me in in the future how you interpret those rules. But I interpret them as if there's no license plate on the car, it doesn't matter what you see in your terminal. The judicial council requires that you put what you see on the car and then leave it up to the judge. Right. So if there's no license plate on the car and then you get a hit back from the DMV that says, oh, this guy's plates expired three years ago. And the guy is also telling you, I'm a citizen of the state. I'm not required to have registration. Um, in in my opinion, it would it is unfair to put it, the license plate information on the citation um, because it, it creates a situation where it, it shows that a citizen has consented to those plates and makes it so much more difficult to argue in court. And it gives the courts such a huge advantage. So um, that I mean, that, that's one of my own little you know pet things. But I, I would love for you to take a look at the Judicial Council form that you use in your agency Match okay. that up with the instructions from the Judicial Council and then at a future date, tell me what, you know, what your thoughts are as to whether or not you can get information from a third party, which is the DMV, as to whether or not that license plate information should go on the car or on the citation. I will absolutely do that, Corey. I'll be happy to look that up and I'll, awesome. I'll start it with the 
to just judicial counsel and read the instructions and then go through it, how my procedures are. So I, I need, I want to back up too, because I know that in California, I don't know if you're aware of this now, but even when you first purchase a car, that, that VIN information gets sent off and a license plate is assigned to it yes. immediately, immediately without, without even. So really, if, if boy yeah. buys a car today, and he drives off. There is a license plate, a temporary license plate that is coded to that then identification number immediately. Yeah, so that temporary license out. plate can be run. And that's what we would put yeah. on. If I stopped you, say you drove off the uh, parking lot of the of the car dealership and you ran a red light and I stopped you for the red light, the, the license plate that I would put on that citation is the temporary one that is now provided immediately. Yeah. So, uh, but I will, but I will, I will look into that for you and have a better so, uh, answer. To your point, Chris, on on that with the uh, license plate being issued immediately in California, it's impossible to purchase a new car without filling out a credit app, and yep. you cannot fill out a credit app without waiving every one of your state citizen oh, rights. Okay, here we go. Problem. So fast, okay. fast forward though to you're probably not going to be able to get the. The VIN numbers and the automatic license plates out of the DMV database. That's that's a that's a, that yeah that's a that's right. a battle that's a decision. different battle right. than I'm a state citizen. Here's my my non uh, uh, federal government subsidiary uh, uh, DMV issued uh, um, identification. My name is my given name is Corey and my family name is Ive. And you go back to your car and you type in that and he doesn't come up in there because they have they have he has withdrawn mm-hmm. himself out of that then what do you do as an leo roadside when the individual forget the car the car i mean i get the property thing but what about the individual okay as far as how we would document them that's a that's that's Correct. So if if someone well, there's clearly I, I don't mean to throw this <laughs> wonderful state under the bus Very in California, <laughs> but, but people I don't believe it or not, people drive around with no licenses every single day. And I probably couldn't make that stop and that citation every single day, but I got to find a way to document this person. Right. And there's different forms of identification that is appropriate that we can identify people with, right. Passports or, um, out of, out of country identification cards or work permits with their pictures on it and stuff like that. Right. So we'll take that. And that's what we would use. And, you know, typically if you've been stopped, once or ever, you are sure. immediately a given ID internally. A temp- Absolutely, I, I, it's a record. It, it's it like is. a database record. Yeah, yeah. So correct. So if that I person's ever stopped that. again, uh, it can be documented that they've been stopped multiple times for the same infraction of driving without a license. Um, so, so if so basic, so if someone has zero identification at all, they don't come up in your system. You just assign them. An ID. Correct. I take down all their information to the best of my ability with that whatever information that I can give them they provide. Um, I try to run them through the database as best I can through their name and date of birth that they're providing. Uh, And then if they get in the system, that number will be generated for the next time I stop them and I'll probably stop them again. I didn't know that. Damn. Well, this, this, that right there, I think is why it's so important to get a court decision forcing yeah. the government to recognize citizens at 241A of the government code because right. the identification that you would assign to them by the DMV 
um, will automatically identify them as a resident and that they are in the United States because your jurisdiction as an LAO is limited to the jurisdiction of the United States. And so, um, and that, that, you know, we're not talking geographically, we're talking of political jurisdiction of how it operates within the state. And that, um, uh, that ability to be able to assign somebody a number because the DMV is going to give them a number of some sort and a political status has happened because nobody has successfully challenged the state on the standing of being a state citizen. And, you know, that, that's why I think getting into court is so important and getting into court the, the right way with the proper standing to answer these questions can really help a lot, both law enforcement. Yeah. So that way you guys are being trained correctly. It's my opinion that the training is being done incorrectly, especially from the FBI. Um, what I'm familiar with as far as their training uh, they, they never once, I've never seen once the FBI in any of the documents that I've read ever make a concession that, Hey, you might meet somebody who is a state citizen and they're not going to have this type of identification. Yeah. I can, I can attest that that, that training is not out there and that what you're, how you distinguish the two types of residents or the state resident or there, that's just not out there. That knowledge is not going to be on the front line with the, the guys that are pushing the, the black and white out there and trying to enforce some of these vehicle codes and also you know the the regular violations um i can definitely see where you guys are are pushing you know where you're going with this and it does yeah. make 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 some sense it does it really does and it does make my job a little i mean think about how much your job's tough and then we just made it twice as difficult <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. it, it yeah. absolutely does because not as hard as the state makes it though. <laughs> <Jesus> <laughs> <Christ>. <laughs> but i mean if and think about some of the things that happen because of driving without a license and we spoke about this on the last episode you know you drive around without a license in the state of california the officer has the ability to take that car away from you because you don't right. have a license Right. Correct, because you have to yeah. have a valid license to op operate a motor vehicle. All right, doesn't mean if if you have a valid license from another state, you know, and you don't have a California license, that doesn't mean we're going to take your car. Right. If you do not have a license and you do not have the authority to operate a motor vehicle in the state of California, that's when you're going to lose your car. Is that so? Is that is that something you enforce um, like as a judgment call, or is that something you have to do? Okay, so let's let's play. The devil's advocate. If I stopped a car and it was um, Mrs. Big Country and, and the car, Mrs. Big Country, she's got three kids with her, two in car seats. Oh, damn. I've been I've been at it. Then. OK, you've been you've been busy. <laughs> no, no kids yet, but we've been at it. then. <laughs> if, if, if I make it a stop and she doesn't have a license on just a, a normal woman seems real nice and not giving me a hard time, um, but doesn't have a valid license. Am I going to make her pack up everything out of that car and walk down the road with two kids that are, you know, underage, you yeah. know, if, <laughs> yeah. has it happened? Yeah, it probably has here and there, you know, but then you get in incidences where you don't take the car and then they drive down the, sh the road and something happens. Oh, right. Okay. So it's, it is, it is a judgment call that the vehicle code um, is very clear. Like if I stopped, um, so we, we all hear news and bad things happen all the time. Right. Yeah. So officers have let you go to take a car away from someone. They let someone come pick them up and, and then the officer gets shot yeah. and killed. 
Okay. It happens. So you do got to use your best judgment. You're not, we're not trying out there to, to uh, devastate the public. I'm not, I don't see any of that money that you're going to have to lose by getting your car out of tow hawk. I've never seen that. I don't, I don't see, I don't know that cost. I don't know the associated uh, mental drain on you to have to go to a tow yard to get your car back, to bring a licensed driver with you to pay for the tow to to get it out, to get your car out, to drive away. I don't see that. Um, Do I have a heart? Absolutely. Some circumstances are, are different than others, boy. So to answer your question, very roundabout and like trying not to sound like an asshole, have I taken people's cars? Absolutely. You know, have I not taken people's cars? Absolutely. Okay. You know, I don't. I try to treat everybody as fairly as possible, but I do weigh. Chris, uh, you, you made, you know, a, some you made a comment earlier in if the state of California. This is what you're obliged. You use the word obliged, but I think that's what you're talking about. This is what I need to do in the state of California. And yeah, yeah, I'm, and, I work out of California, so that's that's sure. the, the and, and that I what operate I, out the of. Point I think I'm, I'm trying to make is that. That's the state of California that is in that homograph. That is the subsidiary of the federal D.C. on that little picture, that little corner. That's the political jurisdiction. And you're correct. The challenge we face is that the training you're given, um, working for an organization that has a federal tax ID number, is that the presumption is that everyone is a resident. Everyone is is an U.S. citizen resident in the state of California. Again, there's two states and there's a several state and then there's the, the, the administrative yep. state of lack of a better term. And uh, the challenge is when you, when you face, when you yes. encounter somebody you're, you're, who is, you know, clear, not clearly, but, but actually is empirically not a resident and it's an anomaly. It's like an alien, like a, like a, mm-hmm. from outer space, like Corey's an alien, you know, he's like, wow, <laughs> how do you get that done? Well, because of lots of work and effort and time and averment, it's a verb called A-V-E-R, averring your Article 4 state citizenship that he's been doing peacefully, methodically, thoroughly for years. It's like, right. how do you deal with that? And and the, the subsequent yeah. result is, pardon, pardon me? It'd, it'd be very, it's very yeah. It's very tough to deal with someone like that. It's it's very tough. It's tough on me as the officer that's making the contact. But then it, it becomes a very fine line of where we go with Corey, right? What are we going to do well, with Corey at that point? I, I think the, the thing is, is training. So if if you were given training, I've, I've listened to a couple of the ways that you've um, – uh, spoke about the vehicle code and mm-hmm. the vehicle code is very clear in who it is applicable to. And um, I, I forget the justice's name, but he wrote an excellent um, brief on uh, the applicability of codes. So every code has a scope of applicability and it cannot exceed that. The California vehicle code is applicable to government employees and it's not applicable to motor vehicles. The only time something becomes a motor vehicle is if it's being driven by a government employee. Now, residents are so low on the totem pole as far as political standing that they have to follow the lo- whatever is on the books. They have to follow it. So whether or not they're a government employee, they have to follow whatever it says in the vehicle code. And we've gone multiple generations now of people who have gone along with that and just kind of uh, submitted themselves to being a resident. But the code provides for people being a state citizen. 
And it's not that difficult. Like I personally can identify, I believe I can identify a state citizen very quickly by asking a couple of simple questions. And Mm. with training, you could do the same thing and you would know right away. Like, for instance, if I had a CCW and I told you right away, look, I'm carrying a weapon and I have a CCW, you probably have run into that before. And you could tell the difference between somebody who's lawfully carrying a gun concealed versus somebody who's not. And that's because you got the training of how to ask them the right questions. So if you pull somebody over with no driver's license and no registration, and you had been um, given the training of how to identify the difference between a state citizen and a resident, a resident is just going to be somebody who pretends like the law doesn't apply to them, whereas a state citizen is going to be able to articulate why the law doesn't apply to them. And a, an officer who's trained correctly, it'd be no difference than, you know, it, it, it's almost like um, the I, I would I would say, like, imagine if the state just did not differentiate between anybody who had a CCW and people who didn't. Anybody with a gun gets their gun taken away and that's it. And they wrote these laws that would say for people who are illegally concealing weapons and then just ignore the people who are legally concealing a weapon and then never give somebody any training on the difference and only tell them like, hey, if you see a weapon, it's illegal. That's it. And that's what's happened. And with I know right now, from your perspective, that would be a really difficult. And I did say that earlier. We've made your job more difficult. But I I really do think that um, with even a little bit of training, we talked a little bit about it on the last episode where Justice Breyer brought up a couple of questions in the um, uh, Birchfield versus North Dakota case. And. Those were questions that me as a state citizen would say, oh, wait a minute, I, I would answer that completely different than the way the mm-hmm. attorneys answered it. And because of the way the attorneys answered those questions, the justices were able to um, uh, able to just move along. And then it, there was no issue of state citizenship because it was not brought up. So with proper right. training. And it's not difficult training, right? It's just understanding a few things and knowing a few questions. I believe you would be able to identify a state citizen right away and send him on his way, knowing that he's, you know, lawfully uh, uh, driving a vehicle, which would um, be distinguished from a motor vehicle. So let's, and, let's ask ourselves, Corey, uh, um, when you've been pulled you know, over, it's him on his never way. been for a dangerous action you've taken. It's been for a, an administrative violation. They saw a plate they didn't like. They saw a plate you didn't have. They saw Correct. you parked in a place you didn't. They didn't like you parked. Yeah. I mean, it was never for excessive speeding, reckless right. driving. You know, hit somebody. No, right? Right. I've never been caught for. I've no. never been yeah. caught for <laughs> reckless driving. Sold it. Yeah, I was about to say. I don't think I don't think you've been driving where I'm at. (laughs) I'll I'll, I'll find you. Um, So you've been absolutely true. You've been stopped for minor infractions. Correct, like revenue for revenue, and I played this up with Irvine. the, The. Revenue. The whole, right, yeah, revenueers. The whole reason that Irvine stopped me was for taking a sunflower seed and oh, dropping it out the window. That. Right. So I, I had a sunflower down. seed. Hey, that's the litter that bug law. That's that the litter bug law. That was the basis of their stop. No, it's not. It's not biodegradable. Have you? you know no, how, it's not. You know, yeah. Do you know how long a sunflower seed lasts? 
Look it no, up. No, and I don't care hey. either. I'm going to spit that shit on the ground. So I probably, I probably, about, I probably wouldn't have stopped you for. Um, yeah, he, he did. Well, the there's he was more to it than that. Uh, Irv, Irvine was going to stop me. They knew I'd been oh, okay. driving around with the they California plates. Yeah, um, they they knew I'd been pulled over by. Uh, previous to that stop, I'd been stopped by the, the uh, a gentleman who's an officer on a motor cruiser or a, a motorcycle, and yeah. he was the uh, captain or he was head of the traffic division, and yeah. he he was you know very impressed. We had a great you know roadside stop, very professional officer. He asked me some questions about the plate, and then in his in his discretion. He decided he was not going to cite me. And even though I had no driver's license and had, um, you know, the California exempt registration, he had decided that he was going to send me on his way because after looking at the code and some of the codes that we've talked about, um, it was his opinion that there was not a violation that had happened. You know, I don't know what happened to him, but his phone number no longer rang to his desk. And he, yeah. he and I had talked and he wanted to have a continued conversation. And he said it was quite refreshing to, you know, meet somebody who's not a sovereign citizen and was, <laughs> you know, very uh, driven Corey, on the law. Okay. This was right. long before. Yeah, long, it was well before that. That was my initial contact with Irvine and immediately following the stop with that officer. Um, that's when the abusive surveillance began. And it was about two weeks later that um, I mean, they I played disc golf almost every day at that time. And they had oh, set up. Game. Uh, that's a fun it game. It is a fun game. It's fantastic. And unfortunately, it's no longer at that park in Irvine. But they had set up a pretty elaborate uh, surveillance apparatus to watch me. And it was pretty obvious. I mean, it, it was obvious that I was being watched. Um, and then, you know, they they. uh the I, I mean, I have no proof of this, but I was familiar with all the stoplights in the area and they had basically set up a traffic jam by uh, alternating the red lights in an area. And then an officer was just waiting for me to come through, um, came up behind me and I had uh, sunflower seeds, which I often do. And one of them, I just take it out of my mouth, flipped it out the window. And that's what they used as a predicate for pulling me over. And at that that's point, so- that's when my you know, my car was that that's when everything really got serious. And yeah. I filed a restraining they, order against the chief. Yeah. Um, now, in your opinion, with with the surveillance that they placed on you, do you believe that they believed there was something more that you were doing other than what your your agenda really is? Yeah, oh, for sure. I mean, I, I think what it was was, you know, they they had, the you know, what I call the FBI training for sovereign citizens. Right. And okay. um, and they, that all they, they thought had to you do were, was, they thought you were there was there's something criminal going on. Yeah. Yeah. And I think they probably thought because of the, the training that they were given, that they have a big misunderstanding of what you are representing yourself as. Right. And if they're thinking that because so, there are knowledge of sovereign citizens are people that are going to be fighting us tooth and nail on the yeah. side of the freeway right? or right. on the side of the street um, in an attempt to get their voice heard and their statement out there. And yeah, some of them are violent. Statement. Some, you know, the far, you know, I don't want to call them the alt right, but that's that's where they stand, you know. Uh, yeah. 
we we spoke very at length last episode, and and I clearly see that you're not that that person. Yeah, and yeah, you are yeah. an educated person, and you are working for something different. Absolutely, a hundred percent working for something different. And I think the uh, where Irvine PD failed is that they. Um, uh, they had decided, you know, and, and, and again, this would be kind of the way the training is because I have yet to meet a, you know, a, a police officer who is even aware of the two forms of citizenship uh, until after we've spoke. I've never met a police officer who understands that and, mm-hmm. um, and he's even aware of it in the code. I've, I've also never met a police officer who knew before I spoke to him, uh, of California vehicle code 21052, which is the, uh, the limiting clause to the code and it says mm-hmm. who it applies to. So, you know, in, in that frame of mind, I, I'm not faulting Irvine for setting up surveillance and watching. They, you know, that's a very safe city and, um, and that, you know, fair enough, if you think something's going to happen, that's law enforcement's job is to, you know, investigate those things. But right. it became very clear in a very short period of time. It should have been very clear in a very short period of time that I'm not a threat. And it yeah. went beyond that to where they were manufacturing something. I mean, they, they came in and uh, one time my my girlfriend and I at the time, we were walking together through the neighborhood Uh, I also made, well, first off, I made it very clear to the police, every officer that I came in contact with, that I'm willing to come into the station and explain my situation and explain myself. And that I'm certainly willing to take whatever punishment is appropriate if I've made a mistake. Um, But that, uh, and that, that was something that the chief uh was not interested in you know he just I'm wrong, he Corey, that was also and the sunflower so, seed incident you know, that, where you actually requested all the oaths of office of all the people on the scene right <laughs> yep you did uh, i i did i requ- i requested the oath of office for the chief of well there was a couple of places that i requested it so the uh, oath of office for police officers is at the city hall or you know the city maintains that record the okay. chief of police is required to have an oath of office at the county recorder's office. And the chief of police for Irvine had not filed his oath. And I made that a part of my um, my restraining order filing. And the chief of police then filed every single oath of every police officer at the county recorder's office. But what I find kind of funny, and I do get a little bit of satisfaction out of this, is the only appropriate oath for a city uh, chief of police is the city's chief of police to be at the county recorder's office. Every police officer, the appropriate place for their oath to be is at the city. The chief of police required the county to file all of the oaths for every police officer at the city of Irvine, but they put it in the miscellaneous section, which is where sovereign <laughs> citizens put all of their crazy stuff. Because there is no place for, um, so there's a bunch of ceremonial oaths on record forever from the city of Irvine. And you know, he, he did win, you know, the restraining order. I was not granted a restraining order, but, right, um, right. 
uh, he, you know, shortly thereafter had to change jobs. And so the, uh, the county recorder was very clear to me when I went in, they said there is no place for a police officer because uh, in the court record, it didn't identify that the officer's oaths went into the miscellaneous section. Right. And I was, uh, I was quite upset actually in court that, you know, that here, I mean, who's going to follow the rules? Nobody's following the rules. And it's just I'm a bad guy, no matter seeds, what. But meanwhile, these and, guys, A, uh, don't have an oath, yeah, oath for, of yeah, office for on sunflower file. Seed, B, the right? chief doesn't have an oath of office on file. C, when they finally file it, they file it incorrectly. But you are the bad guy, Corey. You're the bad guy. The wrong place. Correct me if I'm wrong, Corey. When <laughs> yeah. they did file yeah. this, exactly. it's right. a different right. matter, but I think it's the same one. They filed an oath that was some made up, like, spooky, like, Treehouse, you know, clubhouse oath. Remember that? What, what, what it was? <laughs> they, yes, they. They're the uh, the oath. One of the oaths that I got did yeah, not was, at all conform to state law. It was it, just it, a um, really. It, it was something that they had made up completely. Yeah, I don't, yeah I'll I'm remember what it was. And, and, and <laughs> I want to quickly Great. point out. Sorry to jump around. And there's too much stuff you've done over these years. He was also pulled over by the CHP at least <laughs> once, that I recall, maybe more than once. And uh, yeah, and, and on one, the, Couple one of, times, of those, yeah. uh, low risk, high reward. What's your strategy to make a difference? How many of your listeners who are listening have ever gone down to their county recorder's office and said, hey, I'd like to get a copy of the oath of office of all the county supervisors, all of the uh, um, the sheriff, the sheriff, please. The county recorder, the, you know, whatever, whatever the, the, the county mm-hmm. attorney, whatever those executive offices are, or those those offices, agencies, the head of those agencies that are elected in the county and see if they even have them on mm-hmm. file. Think about that. There's thirty one hundred counties in America. That's why we call it Agenda yeah. Thirty One. If, if if we checked every county across America, okay. how many people have their oaths on file? Well, Corey asked about California Highway Patrol guys roadside who accosted him with weapons as well. One time, and lo and behold, none of them had an oath. And we have a letter, which is at agenda31.org. I'll give you guys a link to it from the Secretary of State that puts it in writing. We have no records positive to any oaths of office of any California Highway Patrolman. There's 7,000 of those so-called sworn officers in California. They make up the... And they, and they never... One just, of them has an oath so they of just office. never filed their oaths? <laughs> well, it's... It's no, it's a little different than never filed because I did follow up with that. There is a uh-huh. distinction between not filing an oath and not actually subscribing to the oath. Um, okay. So I wrote to the legal counsel for CHP to get copies of um, the reason why I wrote to the legal counsel rather than to their general FOIA um, intake section is they have assigned me an attorney uh, that I, <laughs> I only speak with that attorney when it comes to the CHP. And they wrote me back that none of the none of the officers who were involved in any of my cases had oaths of office at all. And what's so important about that is the reason why. Anybody who works for government has to actually sign that oath is because of Abraham Lincoln. He's the Mm -hmm. one that started that. And the rules are you're not supposed to get a government paycheck until you have signed that oath. 
filing it is a little bit different distinction, right? Like if, as long as you've signed it, you're okay. But if you have not signed it, then you are not supposed to get a paycheck. And that's a pretty big deal. And I think it's a big deal The you know, my interpretation of why that is, is because it's one part of a contract and that Abraham Lincoln was an absolute genius in requiring that because it, it puts a, uh, contractual obligation directly between people working in government and the people who have no affiliation with government. And so, um, you know, the, the California secretary of state has played all kinds of games. They first told me, I'm sorry, there is one person who does have an oath of office and that is the director of the CHP. But initially the secretary of state, uh, told me that there were no oaths of office at all. They, they just don't want to release records to me as, and they just straight up lie. Um, and, uh, when I, when I pressed it and started to use that for court, then all of a sudden they found, um, that there was, oh, wait, we found one. And so they, they did, you know, change that and found that the director did have an oath of office on file, uh, properly filed with the secretary of state, but there are no others. And I think that's a big deal. You know, procedure is a big deal. If I follow every single rule on the road yet and I filled out the application for a driver's license, but I didn't turn it into the DMV, I don't have a license and an officer is going to, you know, cite me for that. I think it should be the exact same way. And the oath is such a big deal. Um, you know, so the, I want to circle I, back. To the I, 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 that's my own personal bias, I but I, I think that that's important. I, I, we, we got cut off when I was talking about the sheriff. The duality of the sheriff, we're, we live in this fantasy land of this federal jurisdiction that we think is a state, and it's really just a subsidiary of the of the feds. Yeah. The sheriff is elected through that same system. And as court, you know, they, he's, he's, get, he's getting paid with a, a federal tax ID number. All right. The, the court that, 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 that we are, the county courts where we all live are all have federal tax ID numbers. It's, it's, you know, they call it the, the Scott County Court. Mm-hmm. It's a it's a subsidiary of the feds. But the, the oath of office they take does reference the U.S. Constitution, does reference the Iowa Constitution. And those have the Bill of Rights inside them. And so the sheriff has the you know has sworn, sworn an oath to uphold that. And our my view is that when there is somebody who has access to those protections, he's sworn to protect them. That's why the sheriff that I, that I that right. I had said right. our rights are yeah. modifiable. He's making the presumption everybody he was talking to was a U.S. citizen. And he was right. But if a U, if a state citizen, an Iowan, a real Iowan was in front of him, Makes he would sense. have the the the, uh, the duty to to protect the, the Iowan's rights, which means not having a certain sticker on a piece of metal on the conveyance you have going down the road right. is not a crime. End of story. Move on now. Right. If Corey with that with that with that non-stickered license plate is driving down the road and you know is speeding excessively and is can, can cause harm, then he can haul his ass to jail and he can have uh, bring a grand jury or a, a bring an indictment and then let let the let the, the system say he was dangerous and there was potential harm. Totally for that, hundred percent. Right, right. And I want to say another thing about Absolutely. sheriffs and, and where right. the, I think that the the rubber hits the road. If, if, if the sheriffs can actually wake up to what Corey's talking about. Uh, big country, you talk about, you know, being carrying your weapon and so forth. And, and I would propose to you that if if you don't like the sign on the door, don't shop there. That's a very libertarian, small L viewpoint. You know what I mean? You know, so and, no, and, it, but yeah. beyond that, I get trespassing. But meanwhile, let's say that I own a hair, a hair salon and there's another lockdown. And you and, and your friends want to protect my hair salon and say, this place is staying open. 
we're not going to go for this bullshit, the, all this facade that you mm-hmm. guys throw down on us. And we're standing open and you stand in front of the, 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 the hair salon with your weapon, um, with others. And the police come, the, the municipal police come and they arrest you because you can't do this, whatever, whatever they want to use, whatever statute. And you are a U.S. citizen in this instance, in this hypothetical. The sheriff, when, when they, in my view, and in, in my experience, which sadly I have, because for not wearing a seatbelt, I was taken to jail. But they take you to the county lockup, right? The jail is typically the county. You got municipal taken. Is that right with you, Chris? Or is it a municipal lockup? If I'm sorry, I missed that. If if I take you to jail Anything. for uh, a, 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 a is, is it a county run kind of facility or is it a municipal okay. run facility? <laughs> right. And subsequently, no, the sheriff run. typically it's is county in charge run. of that. It's case. county run. Right. So, in my view, right. the sheriff Correct. can say, yep. "Forget everything Corey and I are talking about with two, dual citizenship. Forget it." The sheriff has the authority to go. What, why'd you bring big country in again? Oh. Oh, he was one of those people trying to keep that hair salon open? No, screw you. I'm not taking your mail. You take that mail back right now. Right. I, de- I decline the delivery of this. I will not house yeah. this prisoner. That's The sheriff has the authority to do that. Now, take that right. same dynamic with regards to Corey Roadside and pulling up, you know, well, his name's not in the system. We're going to add his name or his plate isn't on the car, but you know, I'm, I'm, I found him somehow. The DMV right. still has him in here in the ghost account. I'm hauling his ass in. And the sheriff goes, no, Corey's not a guy that you need. Was he speeding? Was he causing harm? Sheriff can go, no, we're not jailing him. Bye-bye. There's there's definitely specific things that the sheriff even, excuse me, in our county uh, will take and not take people for. As is. Um, If, like, I've had people driving reckless and we've asked permission to, to take them in and they're like, no, we can't oh, house wow. them tonight for whatever reason. You know, maybe they're, maybe they're crowded or maybe, you know, maybe they'll ask us to cite and release them or we'll prepare uh, right. a pro- appropriate uh, documentation of who that person is. And then they'll present that to the, uh, uh, the city's sure. attorney to Makes seek sense. prosecution at logistics. a later date. There's logistics um, come into play. So, you know, that, that, yeah. that does, so that Makes does sense. go, so, that so does let me jump happen. one step ahead that does happen. Now I, I totally so, get that that would happen, but let's say that, okay. that Corey, um, uh, the, the sheriff put, takes turns you away. Yet the the citation goes through the system, and then Corey is got, there's a warrant now. Mm-hmm. There would only be a warrant. There would only be a warrant okay. if Corey didn't proceed to court, right. Fair as enough. he's and, a guideline so, by the citation, and that right. would become a, okay. that would become a bench then, warrant at that um, point. And, and where I'm going with this, and I'll try and keep it short, is that the ultimate, the the the, the ultimate end game of that proceeding by the state, I'm talking the the homograph state, is to effectively extract revenue out of Corey. And I'm I'm saying this with regards to non-violent offenses, non-dangerous stuff. Okay, <laughs> extract revenue out of Corey. And so when it Correct. comes time to get the revenue out of Corey, yeah, the ultimate the ultimate way they get that is to take over his property. Right. Because if he doesn't pay, then they have to take his body or his car or his house or something. They, they put a lien on it, whatever. Again, the sheriff can be that that firewall against that all the way to the point where they try and extract that pound of flesh out of that state citizen. Because he can say, no, I'm recognizing his his he, he's not a resident. Leave him alone. You know, but by God, if he harms somebody, yeah. I'll be the first yeah. one to arrest his ass. You know, mm-hmm. absolutely. 
Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and a lot of those de- are determined by the actual, you know, if it, this is a felony going on or misdemeanor, or different classifications of, you know, what what's going on. You know, if boy, like you said, if Corey's driving on the road without a license, you know, ultimately, does, does he need to go to jail for that right now? Maybe not. But if Corey drove his car down and caused a death for right. someone else because he was under the influence Absolutely. of alcohol, take him to jail. Appropriately. Right, right. Like, okay. I, I see. And I kind of see. I see where you're kind of going. Like, uh, in a case like that, where uh, let's say there we've established and the government is recognizing citizens at 241A and mm-hmm. I'm, I'm traveling without a license, I'm drunk and mm-hmm. I cause even property damage or the death of someone. The vehicle mm-hmm. code would not apply. Right. The, the vehicle code still would not apply. It would be those citizens under 241A are not subject to the vehicle code. The um, the action that would be taken against the citizen would be under 22.2 of the civil code, which is the common laws of England. And that would be following a jury trial. Um, and, you know, everything that I, I don't know if you know this, but it used to be not that long ago. Uh, you know, relatively speaking, not that long ago, every ticket was a jury trial. Every single ticket would would be a jury trial. It wasn't until I believe it was the uh, 70s or 60s that they started taking away jury trials for infractions. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, there would certainly be a jury trial for uh, a citizen under the and that trial would conform to California code of civil procedure it would you know everything would apply it just would not uh, the vehicle code just would not apply because the vehicle code is not something applicable to a citizen and um i know right now for chris that is probably like well how in the hell are we going to enforce this right like how would it work but it's actually not that complicated and it worked very well for you know 150 years um, there just wasn't the, the amount of revenue that can be generated, like that can be generated now from people who have consented to, uh, residency, U.S. citizenship. And then that private contract with the DMV, the bargain with the DMV, where you give the DMV the authority to overturn Supreme Court decisions. And we mm-hmm. discussed this last time that it should be the only place that should be able to suspend a driver's license, morally speaking, would be the courts. Yet right. the courts can absolutely say, no, we're not going to suspend your license. You're free to go. And 10 days yeah. later, the DMV decides layer. to take it. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, yeah, that's, yeah. That we, we, and that was a big, that's a big thing we were talking about uh, in the last episode. And, you know, the DMV is a whole nother animal that yeah, needs they, to be tackled. They definitely and, go unchecked. Yeah. There doesn't yeah. seem like there are much checks and balances for them, you know. Well, and the, I do the, understand that. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, Chris, I, I stepped on that. Sorry about that. I didn't mean to interrupt you. Um, no, the, I, 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 I did it again. There it is. I'm sorry. There it is. <laughs> me and me and Corey are like, oh, our minds are melding right now. <laughs> go, go ahead, Corey. Well, I was going to say the only check on the DMV that I can find in the code is a citizen at 241A of the California government code. That's the only check available. And they have successfully basically squashed that. And so few people are aware of it. Um, But there are those. I I 100% do not buy that 
some of the people that I've been in front of in court didn't know what I was talking about because they preemptively were able to stop and make things happen. I was, you know, with the trickery of having me, you know, being incompetent that, you know, that, that happened in the courts. That's, you know, that's pretty low. The DMV though, the only check they have in my opinion is the people. Any any type of decision that is won by a U.S. citizen that the DMV doesn't like, they have the authority because a U.S. citizen has to have a driver's license. They then can change the terms of the driver's license that you agree to. And now they've overcome any decision that they want. Yeah, when I got my when I got my wow, slave card uh, <laughs> back, I, I didn't have one for four years. Uh, I, I actually recorded it, and and uh, I said, "So they wanted me to sign." I said, "So what rights am I waiving here?" And she looked at me and said, "What rights? What rights? Huh? Like totally clueless, you know?" <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so let me let me let me ask uh, two questions, uh, and I know uh, you guys were saying you wanted to stay at about an hour and a half, and we're we're right there, or we're over, we but we're close. So I try to try to keep it in that I'm for you guys. Good for I'm good for a few more minutes. Yeah. Okay. Um, so two questions for you guys. Um, question number one is: during the time when you didn't have uh, a driver's license. Um, did you did you attempt to buy a gun? How would you buy a gun? Like California, than- you can't. We so talked I'll, about I'll, that last time, Corey. Okay, yeah, we, yeah. We, we we did speak about that a little bit, right? And and I also did not attempt to buy a gun. I was terrified of being labeled as a sovereign citizen, and right, you know, and that that would that be something. California has their own. Task force to go after people that illegally own guns, and I mm-hmm. made it very public. I didn't have any guns. That's not an issue, and I was terrified of that. I think rightfully so, and so I, I never brought up guns as an issue. My my issue that I really pushed forward was um, the waivers of rights associated with a driver's license, and, right. and trying to take that what I consider to be a baby step of being able to travel around in a private vehicle without a license before taking on the gun issue, uh, which, you know, Justice Thomas said was the pinnacle of a republic. Uh, I believe that was in um, uh, Max case. It, was it Sheriff Max yeah, case talking about the Second Amendment? His concurring US, opinion? Is yeah. that correct, Todd? Yeah. 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 So um, that that's something that I believe could be challenged uh, in federal court. You just challenge the constitutionality of the provision in the state code that mm. uh, says you have to present a driver's license in order to purchase a gun. And that would be the appropriate way to do that. But until then, you know, we, the, the code is something that we're all supposed to follow, right? That, that that's what is supposed to guide everybody. And if the code is wrong, then you don't just violate the code. You get to court and you challenge it and fix it. And, yeah. I, and, and right. so then the code gets rewritten. Yeah. Then the code with yeah. the lawmakers, they'll try to you know re- recreate something to get it to. to yeah, it was episode sixty nine. Right. Right. Uh, where we talked about that for the first time, Corey. I just put a link to that. You know, um, I got I actually got it pulled pulled up in there. When you scroll down, you see it. And Corey, it, 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 I've got to. I've got so much, so much homework to do after and, this episode, and, and, guys. And Corey, Corey called his, his uh, a baby step. I would call it much more than a baby step to to do that. I mean, I, I was you know puckering up yeah. for four years, and and, you know, and, and uh, but my my yeah. I would deal with stuff like uh, um, 
uh, you know, went to TSA checkpoint twice with no, you know. Yeah, that's what, that was that was the question I, I wanted to ask you guys is uh, as far as, you know, air travel or, you know, Corey, since you're in California, maybe heading down to TJ or something. Is that something that that you guys have successfully done with a yes. citizen's ID? Yeah, I, did, I mean, I mean, it's, I'm sure it's pretty nerve wracking at first, uh, but yeah. it's possible. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. So I. um uh, having been through the family courts, I lightly touched on that last time, but having been through the family courts, I met other men who had as difficult a time or even far worse than I had. And mm. one of them was a man who was um, his passport had been suspended and he was not permitted entry back into uh, the country after wow. working in Tijuana so he could pay child support. He was arrested by the Mexican police and had a horrible experience in a Mexican jail. And it was something that so motivated me that I started doing research. And that's where I learned about the idea, the concept of identifying yourself under the common laws of England. Um, and so to prove it, I mean, it was, I didn't realize how scary it was going to be, but to prove it, I went to Mexico with the only ID that I had was the ID that I created and, uh, and then came back across the border. And, you know, I was, um, you know, I wouldn't say that they were happy to see me at the border, but the border (laughs) patrol, you know, they, had I not known the information, had I not, you know, if I had just read something on the internet or something yeah. like that, I think they would have fleshed me out in a heartbeat, right? That, uh, you know, that they would have known right away. And I, I don't know what they would have done, but um, I was put in an area where, you know, like I, I was confined for a short time. I was never abused or anything like that. They were all very professional, but it did take a quite a while. And, it was, you know, pretty scary during that time period because there were some bad people that were also locked up back there. I, I wasn't putting any danger at all to be close to them, but uh, it was pretty scary. And then, you know, all of a sudden it was just, boom, here's all your stuff and you're free to go. Have a good day. And have a good day. Yeah, wow. Have a good day. Get in the car and go. And that was I, it. And I could imagine that experience, man. Like, like, hey, what are you in for? Like, oh, yeah, four murders and some cartel work. And like, what are you in for? Oh, uh, bad ID. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Sweet. Right. Um, right. So, uh, real quick, uh, let me ask you the second question. And then we'll kind of wrap up the show just to, just to kind of kind of keep it in the box here for you guys. But um, yeah. which was it? Was it Corey or was it Todd? That you don't have a social security number, or 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 am I understanding well, that incorrectly? Or you were? I you know, mentioned I, I mean, first episode, and and you wanted to talk about yeah. it, so I wanted to make sure we hit. Oh, that. that's right. I forgot about that. So um, speaking for myself, I do have a social security number, but I withdrew consent to participate when in the number, you know, participate in the program with social security. Yes. And something that I'm a big fan of is using uh, what's available from different jurisdictions. The sheriff's department will call it a keep the peace call. A police Mm -hmm. department generally calls it a, uh, a civil peace call or a, uh, a civil call. And that is just to have an officer present. He's not there to enforce the law at all. He's just there to make sure that everybody behaves. So um, I had 
you know, really examined what happens when you apply for a social security number and wanted to match that as far as removing myself from that system. First off, I'm not aware of anybody who has ever left the social security program and stayed in country. There's lots of people who expatriate and they're no longer U.S. citizens. They're not, you know, or state citizens or anything. They've left the country and gone somewhere else and their social security number is um, no longer applicable to them. But being able to stay in country. So I wrote a letter to Social Security and anytime you sign up for Social Security, you do that in front of a Social Security employee. So I wanted to withdraw from Social Security in front of a Social Security employee. So I called the United States Marshal's office and I asked them for a keep the peace call and told them what I was going to do. And um, so I showed up. This was in uh, this was in, at the Los Angeles um, division. I, really, I don't mean to cut you off, but I'm just laughing because I could only imagine the, the guy on the other end of the line is like, well, you're doing what? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. Yeah, that's exactly yeah. what happened. And um, I scheduled an appointment and I was very clear, just matter of fact, like, hey, I just want to make sure that, you know, when people do things like this, sometimes uh, it, you know, words could be misinterpreted or something like that. I have no violent intent and, you know, I'm, I'm, right. I have no ill, uh, ill, ill thoughts or harm or anything like that that I want to cause. I just want to transact business and make sure everybody behaves. And so the marshal service was very professional. They said, when do you want to come in? And I told them what time I would come in and they said, okay, yeah, just come in. Well, there was a helicopter. (laughs) I had my own parking space right at the very front. There were people directing uh, traffic and they, you know, they knew me right away, pointed at me and pointed to the parking space. Um, lots of people, I was familiar with that office. There were lots of people dressed in construction garb who weren't doing any construction. Undercover uniforms they had that day. <laughs> yeah. I, I get out of my car. Um, and it just so happened a couple of gentlemen who were much larger than I was also got in the elevator at the exact same time and, you know, were not at all interested in speaking with me and, or anything because I try and keep it lighthearted. I, I have personally found if I talk a little bit, then hopefully that will, you know, engage with whoever is there, whether if I think they're law enforcement, my goal is to, um, kind of project that they're, they're not in any harm at all. There's no, there's no chance of there being any physical harm. So you didn't see on a reason. John Wickham in the elevator. I, 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 did, I did not. Um, and I go in and of course this is in an area where that social security office is incredibly busy. Um, mm. there were, uh, as I recall, there were three marshals and then a number of other people who were there who seemed very interested in me when I got there and they were big men, um, but in plain clothes. And once I arrived, I checked in with one of the marshals and told him my name and my purpose for being there. Um, and he said, okay, hold on one second. He went and got the manager, uh, of the office. The manager came back and, uh, asked what I was trying to do. And I just said, you know, I'm, I'm just here. I would like you to witness my signature. I want to withdraw from Social Security. And she said, well, can't you do this with somebody else? And I said, yes, I can. But I thought it was most appropriate to do it with you because I entered in Social Security in front of somebody, as I just said. And it would be good to have you witness my signature. You're not attesting to anything that's in this document other than you're just saying you saw me sign it. And mm-hmm. um, we signed it. Literally, that took maybe three minutes 
and um, the uh, the one marshal who was closest to me. Uh, when I said, thank you, I told him, thank you very much. I really appreciate it. I didn't mean to jump in line in front of everybody, but you know, thanks for your help. And, and he looked at me and was genuinely surprised. And he said, that's it. <laughs> went, yeah, that's it. We're good. And walked out. No bomb. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Man. I think I think all of them were surprised that I was really only interested oh, yeah. in transacting that one piece of business, and that's something that you know I think I could get a, a declaratory judgment in federal court as to whether or not consent has been withdrawn. Social Security, and I I saw Todd just sent you the link. You can actually read yeah. the letter that they sent. Social Security said there is no provision for withdrawing consent. They didn't say I didn't withdraw it. They just said there is no right. provision. Well, there's no provision statutorily, but the 13th Amendment is absolutely clear that, you know, you no man should be subject to a civil obligation that he hasn't consented to. That That's a direct quote from a case. I can't remember which one it is, but um, I, I think, you know, that I, there's there's a there's many opportunities for people to get into court Um and, you know, pick an issue, learn about state citizenship, learn about the obligations. It's not a get out of jail free card. It's not easy. When the mm-hmm. framers talked about people serving in government um, and, and, and kind of selflessly supporting the republic, there is a lot of obligation to being a state citizen. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and I encourage your listeners, law enforcement and those not involved in government at all to learn what those obligations are, especially for law enforcement to identify a genuine citizen versus somebody who's just trying to get away with something. Um, but th- those are there's just a, a, a number of opportunities for uh, anyone to be able to get into court. I've, um, you know, been a bit overwhelmed. I, I, I didn't really have a roadmap. I think now if I could go back, I would have changed things and taken a lot lower risks than I did. Um, but I didn't know at the time, you know, the right, I don't think any, in fact, nobody knows the right way to do it because it hasn't happened yet. Right. It, yeah, it I just think hasn't. I think, I think you're overcoming, uh, a tremendous amount of misinformation and misknowledge that's been out there for years and years and years. And you're trying to con- right. figure it all out in like a five to 10 year period when this has been going on for how many years did, is this constitution of the state been kind of up in air, right? Right. At, right. hundred plus. Yeah. So, so you're trying to debunk, you're trying to debunk and fix something that's been jacked up for a long time. And that doesn't happen overnight. But what it does take is education. It takes people like us bringing it to the, the public, making people aware about it. And like you said, educating from the top down. It's it's educating of the the state officials, the government officials, all the way down to the, the guys out who are wearing the boots enforcing the vehicle codes and the other municipal codes. Uh, and it's a long process. that's not going to be one today. It's going to be a, a long drawn out thing, but at least that you have started something and get it, hopefully get it on record, get it in the courts to, to put the, the, it on the bill to, to try to change something that you, you think is wrong. And, and Todd has been, uh, just awesome tonight, uh, sharing some, uh, extra wisdom, wisdom with us. Yeah. So we very much appreciate it guys. Yeah. Real, real quick. <laughs> real quick. I, I, I did want to ask Todd though, what's that TSA experience like? It was, trying it was to moderately with, without um, a, a convention. Uh, uh, a hassle. I got the full pat down, but it is the biggest facade going much like all this 
COVID nonsense. It's just vaporware. It's all vaporware. You do not, you're not right. required to have a government issued ID to get through a TSA checkpoint, period. There's a guy that even, even on the plantation, right? there's a guy that yeah. took him to court. One, we've got right. outside yeah. the link. Yeah. We've talked about it, played the video. He was in court. Uh, he was from New Mexico, but was flying through Seattle. And he took him, he wanted to take pictures. Everybody freaked out and arrested him. And, you know, he won. And I've, I, I worked worked for an airport for 20 years. Done wow. I've been background check, fingerprinted. I have I have the high. You know, I can go on the airport with my own ID. All this stuff, and before <laughs> it's just incredible. Mm-hmm. I've been in meetings with the chief of police of the airport. I've been in the meeting with the board of directors of the airport. And I've said out loud with the head of TSA sitting there for that airport in this region and saying there is no rule or law that says we have to have a, a, a government issued ID. And they, yep, you're right. Just it's not it's not even controversial. But wow. it's it's all just like the slaves are trained, yeah, yeah, you know. Yeah. You got to show your ID. You got to oh, you got to have it. Yeah. You got to have the little symbol now, you know, exactly. to get through here. And it's all bullshit. Yeah, yeah. They know that you don't know. So, Todd, if speaking of that little symbol that says federal limits apply on our d- driver's license now, some people have it, That's some right. people don't. A real ID, real ID, I think, is what they call it, it now. Yeah. Uh, a real ID. <laughs> so if I don't, so you're saying right now, if I walked in because I don't have a real ID, I'm I my I haven't, dr- I haven't uh, gotten mine. I gotta I gotta, I gotta mine's coming up for renewal soon. I'm yeah. I'm aging myself. I'm getting old, so I gotta I gotta renew mine soon. Um, I if I walked into the airport right now, they couldn't turn me away. I could say I, I can TSA get on with my license without the, the federal. What will happen is they'll call in law enforcement if you put up enough of a stink, and law enforcement will come and address you. Mm-hmm. What I've been told by law enforcement here is that when there's a controversy at the checkpoint, and 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 the TSA people, you know, they got their training. Like we we witnessed him; he was you know whispering or he smelled wrong or whatever it was. They've got their little training about how there could be a yeah. threat. They they call the cops over the the, the actual sworn officers yeah. that carry guns and real badges in the airport. They come over, they'll run a background check, yeah. and then they'll they'll make a determination. And, and more often than not, the TSA, quote, officers want to see it. And the, 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 the LEO says, no, we, you're, you're not LEO. We've, he's good. Let him through. Yeah. And, 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 <laughs> you're and, and, up, and I, I say this with down. the utmost disdain for TSA because I have seen them in action. Personally, right. there are tons of statistics that show it is a just a just a hotbed of graft and bullshit. Beyond belief. I mean, it's just insane. I'm a little podunk island. Yeah. Can you imagine what goes on in New yeah. Jersey and New York with TSA? Give me a fucking break. It's insane. Right. Yeah. But what will yeah. happen to you, Chris, though, is yeah. Yeah. that yeah. they will go through a facade of clearing you. Like, are you who you say you are? Even though, even though when you got okay. paid for your air ticket, you that name went on a manifesto. And there's already a manifesto out there that says, if this name is on a do not fly, don't let this guy on. Even though that's already in place. They're going to have to go, and so they're going to say, "Do you have a credit card? Do you have a, you know, a, 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 I, I, I had a Costco uh, card. Okay. That, that's what let, let them get fill my balls up because I had a Costco card. They got to fill my balls, <laughs> <laughs> and then I got to go through. So, but it, 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 the point, it, it, you don't so, have. And I had a common ID with my Apostille, and I talk, you know, and there's audio file of both encounters right. at our site. You know, I, we did this whole thing. But Corey made a point. I know you guys weren't taking yeah. up big country, but he made a point about accessing the courts. And I want to be uh, – uh, I tend to sweat mm-hmm. details, and I want to be specific for a second. We need to be prepared for when they say, oh, you don't have a government-issued ID. You can't come into the courthouse. 
That's already started with you, Corey. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is now in federal court. That's yeah. yeah, That's already in federal court. You cannot get into federal court. Talk about a paradox, right? Well, wait. I'm trying to access the Article Three courts inside this building. You know, and oh, you you know, you you, and so by by having the slave card, you've you've forfeited your rights to access Article Three courts. So they just got that totally thing back. So, and I just Jesus. a quick sidebar. Yeah. I, for one of the jobs I have, I was actually a, a expert witness in a federal bankruptcy case <clears throat> in Des Moines, and had to go to the federal uh, bankruptcy okay. uh, uh, courtroom. And it's a beautiful courthouse. Oh my God, they spent a ton of money on mm-hmm. those places. And went in with a common law ID, <laughs> and they said, "What is this?" And I said, explained quickly what it was. Went upstairs. Proceeding started. We broke for lunch. Went left for lunch. Came back. Step up. Now they have a little more of a stink. What is this again? Who are you? What are you trying to do? I explained myself again. Got upstairs, sat down, waiting to get in. To, and the, I get accosted by the security cops. And, and before that, I noticed this guy that was the janitor, yeah. mm-hmm. like kind of eyeballing me and walking around and stuff. And I was like, oh, he's kind of checking me out, huh? And so then the two uniformed guys come up and accost me and they say, how do you get through an airport with this? How are you even in this building? And they're all freaked out about it. I'm very calm, trying to explain it to them. And then the janitor Jeez. comes over. He's a marshal undercover. He comes over and he says, what's going on? He asked uh, yeah. who I was, what I'm doing, why I'm here, th- what this is. And he goes, he looked me in the eye and he's like, you're fine. Leave him alone, you know. But those two guys were so pissed off. Yeah, yeah. I got through, and so it's starting to happen. Yeah, it's 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 going to be a problem. Anyway, that's yeah. my rant. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Yeah. Sounds like it. No. <laughs> and, and and let me hit you with this last little bit. And as a matter of fact, if I'm not mistaken, Pat Militage said this when you guys were on a conspiracy farm about the real ID. All the real ID is is just a new type of identification with a gold star on it. And he said, man, I remember a particular group in history that had to carry around a gold star. And I'll go one step farther. I think it's the gold star and it's an RFID chip. Oh, Oh, man. man. Yeah. Oh man! Well, you started on revelations right now. Boys. That's what the license plates have. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't they do that with the slave card? Yeah, yeah, I'm... exactly. Yep. Well, there's, there's not much that's preventing them from doing anything they do want to get their ultimate goal, uh, unless people like you guys stand up and give us the information exactly. like that you have tonight. So I just very much appreciate you too, uh, speaking knowledge to our listeners, to us, educating me, and even me being in uh, in law enforcement. That's something I, I feel very privileged oh, to get this information awesome from you guys. guys. Absolutely. Well, I I, I mean. I'll... Yeah. And it it just, it's so amazing when I, uh, to actually have the opportunity to speak directly to all three of you and Chris, you being active duty, uh, this is literally a dream come true, you know, a number of years ago when it just seemed like no matter what I did, law enforcement would not listen. They just immediately put me in that sovereign citizen box. Um, This is fantastic. And I really appreciate and commend uh, your attitude and your approach, Chris, um, you know, as far as uh, uh, the awesome responsibility you have in law enforcement, 
this is, you know, one of, this is a dream. So thank you very much for allowing us to be on here and giving us this platform to, you know, to talk about this and challenge the, that, you know, challenge these ideas and, and, um, you know, it, it, it really is just fantastic. So thank you so much. Not, not a problem. It's been definitely our pleasure. Absolutely. Boy has named our re, our group of listeners, truth hooligans. And that's what we are. We're out seeking the truth and we want knowledge. Uh, and if you, if you're just going with the flow, you're, you're not necessarily getting the yeah. truth. And that's yeah. what we're about. We want knowledge. That should, and we want- that should be on a t-shirt for your podcast. That oh, truth it's, hooligan. Oh, it's coming. Yeah, it's coming. It's coming. Yeah. It's coming. <laughs> just remember guys, Absolutely. it's easier to fool you as a citizen um, than to convince that he's been fooled. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. 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 I'm going to put that on the yeah. back of the Truth Hooligan t shirt. Yeah. That's going to be the fine print. That's on our business cards. Love it. Love it. I love it. I love it. Guys. Um, so, wrapping it up, um, Corey Ibe and Todd McGreevy of Agenda31.org. Um, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Um, signing off. For this part two of what we had an amazing interview, hopefully you guys enjoyed it. Oh yeah, um, that's it for us. Big country signing off. Boy and Chris, we're out. I want you to get up now. I want all of you to get up out of your chairs. I'm as mad as hell, and I'm not going to take this anymore. Donald Trump Putin and shit. I'm a human being. God damn it. My life has value. Has value. My balls are hot. My balls are hot. My balls are hot. My balls are hot. My balls are hot.